Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. We're live. All right. We're live. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in for the second episode of the 2023 Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. Uh, we are once again experiencing yet further audio issues. Uh, last time we recorded this, I was having issues. I'm still having issues. I haven't sorted that out. And now uh, Chase looked too angrily at his audio recorder, and it is now kaput. So uh, we're, we're very ha- happy to have our patrons supporting the show because we're about to buy a bunch of new equipment, it looks like. But uh <laughs> I I got six years out of mine, so I'm pretty happy with it as it is right now. So uh, I am joined by the legendary Iceman. I'm the only person in this group that doesn't really have like a bona fide nickname, uh, but uh, joined by Iceman himself and the South Alabama legend. Uh, did both of you win your prospective states in the Bow Hunter League Challenge? Oh, just Chase. Nah. Chase won this year. He won his state this year, and I won my state last year. Uh. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel, Walt, to be in our presence? I mean, to be honest with you, I'm honored. Uh, I feel like I should be paying you guys uh, just, just to be in this room. Um. <laughs> well, did you, ever, did, you, did you ever score your Florida buck, Walt? <laughs> no, I need to. Well, yeah, I did. I did. I got to go back and find it. I submitted it to the bow hunting league. So whatever that score was. Nice. I need to go back and look. Uh, it, it was just shy of like 130, 140 inches, but just just barely shy. Uh, just a few, a few inches shy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I am recording this uh, late at night, Thursday evening. It's the Thursday before. The Florida Outdoor, uh, no, the Wild Turkey 
Florida Wild Turkey Extravaganza, the fourth annual. So if you're listening to this, I'm going to drop this uh, tonight or first thing in the morning. If you're listening to this, come out and support uh, the podcast. We will be there with a whole box of, of Obla Gobla t-shirts. I have got a small selection of pot calls that I have made, but I will also uh, have about 40 combo packs, three-pack combo packs of our mouth call, our signature series mouth call that Honeycomb Custom Calls uh, launched this week. Uh, the first round of shipments have already gone out. We're already hearing from people who are saying really kind things, and it didn't cost us that much to, to, to buy those endorsements. So there's a really good return on the investment there. Um, but uh, we'll have those. It's a limited run. I, I don't know the exact number of how much we can make with the supplies that we bought. Uh, but when they're gone, they're gone. So uh, come and check us out. We're going to have a show price of $25 for a three-pack, which is less than $10 a call. I think that's phenomenal. You're sm- supporting two small businesses. In that go, um, we've got 100 Chasing Tails stickers, uh, 50 magnet turkey sticker magnets. I got all kinds of stuff. And I just like to hang out with you guys. So come on, see us. Um, we'd love to have you, honestly. Uh, my intro is already too long because Chase just left. He didn't even say anything. He just He's gone. What do you what do you want to say about him, Brett? He's gone. Say it now. I think Chase did a fantastic job this year. Winning his state. I was proud of him. <laughs> oh, you had a chance to go low and you went high. That's Brett right there for you. But um we're the, the purpose of this podcast, and I'm gonna stall until Chase gets back, but uh the purpose of this podcast is kind of to go over um Florida. Oh wait. Wait, 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 wait. No, I got a couple other things I got to share about, about turkey season. I'm not done. So, uh-huh. Yep. Fred already knows where this is going. So, we've got the turkey call packs. We have got eight spots for the Florida Patreon turkey hunt. Uh, if you're a member of Patreon, you can sign up. It's $60 for four nights of camping, a big meal, and a bunch of turkey hunting. But, and I cannot believe we're even talking about this right now, but we have a member of our Patreon group who has set some very specific criteria to win a full body turkey mount. Chase is like, he just glued right in. He came in, I said, full body turkey mount, win full body turkey mount. And he just went right, just right there to it. So uh, Richard, too tall, we call him too tall. He has decided that if you shoot a turkey with a five-inch beard or longer, so no jakes, it's got to be a tom, on video where we can clearly see the bird struck, you know, it's, it's gotta, it can't be like on, a, on a, a flip phone, and you are a member of Patreon with your bow, he will full-body mount it. You've got to get it to his taxidermist down there uh, that he trusts. He wants to make sure that you guys are getting a quality mount. Um, and he's not going to just send that money anywhere. So this is kind of like a, a southeastern thing, and maybe we can carpool the, the 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 turkey carcass down to his taxidermist. But on camera, five inches or longer, she said, turkey with the bow this year. If you're a Patreon member, he he will full body mount it for you. So um, we got all kinds of stuff. And on top of that, wait, we're not done. We're not even done. I have got an Alps Imp- Alps Impacts turkey vest a three-pack combo pack from Honeycomb Custom Call, and a pot call getting drawn on March 1st. I have made the pot call. Uh, all of that's being drawn on March 1st. That's just to the Patreon members, too, just to say thanks. Um, I think that's everything. Who knows? Give me five minutes. I might come up with something else. I don't feel like I'm 
missing anything. I did secure another sponsor for the Yakin Fast Challenge, but it's entirely too, too, too soon to start talking about that. But this one's going to be fun. Chase, I bought a bunch of time while you were gone. We, we, we acknowledged the elephant in the room, which was that you just pivot and left, and we didn't know if you, if you were actually coming back, so we just kept rolling with it. Um, well, I figured but, that you would keep on rolling no matter what. And I knew I had a good amount of time to make something happen. <laughs> so uh, here's the deal. Today, I have assembled the best and the brightest from the state of Florida and, uh, and South Alabama. And we're going to talk about what we learned in Florida. This was Brett's first season. Uh, this was just another year for Chase. This was a big year for, for, for me, and I did, did a lot of big things. Um, but I learned a lot of lessons, and game plans got disrupted. Things got thrown to the wind. Everyone in this group had a heartbreak in some way, shape, or form. And uh, some of Brett's heartbreak occurred in Alabama. Some of it's kind of comical in Florida. And I kind of wanted to, because we hunt Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, kind of take each podcast and kind of talk about kind of each one of those steps. So um, I think we should start with the rookie in the room, and that's Brett. So, Brett, your your rookie season in Florida, you spent a bunch of time scouting it. You got on a bunch of big bucks in the preseason. Hi, Brett's wife. And, uh, you hope. Huh? I said you yeah, hope. You hope. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, how was your, well, how was your Florida deer season this year? And, and what do you think? Like, what did you learn? What, give us the highlights. Well, here, one takeaway and something I learned is, Going down for the first time ever to a zone C opener. And uh, I think I went a little, well, I don't think, I know I went too hardcore for the opener. We was getting down in some deep, uh, gnarly places. And uh, the deer just wouldn't push down in those places. Yeah, they were still on the main land right by the roads. And, you know, that first week or two. Or they get pushed in there. So I definitely went in uh, too hardcore for opening weekend. That was a somewhat of a lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. You did, know. You, did you apply that when you hunted the zone D opener? Mm, uh, yeah, I hunted a way easier in zone D opener. I one spot I was I could see my truck from where I was sitting, and I think I ended up seeing thirteen deer. So definitely applied that. I didn't go into them nasty spots where I'm predicting the pressure and the foliage when it falls off the, you know, where the deer are gonna push back into when you start getting some pressure. So I just hunted it. Just I guess like you would a private lease or something. I think, I think uh, a lot of what I saw you hunt and see wasn't necessarily good habitat so much as it was safe places. I think about Doug White, the episode with Doug White, he said early season, you're going to find deer where deer want to be. And as the season progresses, you're going to start finding deer in, er in areas where you are and where you don't want to be and where they can see you come in. They have an advantage. And I really thought that you and Chicken Buck and Corey were going to get on the deer. Like I thought for sure, like every day you're going to be rolling up. And I think for the first time ever, I sensed genuine frustration from Chicken Buck, you, 
and Corey, because it didn't seem like uh, you guys were seeing what you, you the, the amount of effort you were putting in wasn't yielding in the woods. And and that's kind of interesting for y'all. Yeah, we put in a lot of effort because I know me and Chicken Buck went in the day before all day long out there on the boat, beating stuff back, walking, walking. And we found some decent sign, a lot of uh, uh, pretty good sign and basically just high spots and little oak hammocks out in the swamps and off the, uh, you know, waterways and stuff. And the deer just, there was deer sign in there, but I guess the opening morning, I think I did see, uh, what was it, four, five, I think I seen six deer the opening morning. And I probably could have snuck a shot at one of them, but they were just on the edge being a little further than what I wanted. But uh, other than that, I didn't see a deer after the opening morning. And I think Chicken Buck may have seen one deer that opening morning. But, yeah, we put in a lot of work because we had to get up early, for one, put in the water, go way back in there, then how late it was every night when we got out. So definitely won't uh, do that again for early season. So what? So what's the lesson? What did you learn from Florida? What was the like the, the hard lesson that you learned? I mean, the hard lesson I learned was for the openers to hunt oak hammocks right off the road. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's just be real. <laughs> I would have thought for sure one of your your hard learned lessons would be how many deer you can shoot in a day in florida yeah <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> so yeah tell them what happened <laughs> so i guess when i predicted rut to be in this area that i was hunting i waited till then went in to hunt i was i got to go win to hunt this spot and i scouted so many different spots i was kind of i always typically go with whatever the wind gives me i just go to that spot so I went into this spot, got right on the water, had duck hunters and stuff come in. And I was like, I ain't going to see anything. And I'll be dang it right after daylight. I look up and there's a deer standing out there in front of me. Starts working towards me. And I, I could see it had horns and I was checking it. And it had three on one side. And it basically, it, it did, it, it was a six point technically. But mm-hmm. brow, brow times were just very close to being, you know, just an inch, inch and a half. But uh, the deer come in. I had them on film at 20 yards, everything. S- stopped them. Couldn't make myself pull the trigger. I was like, I can't. He's just too small, too small. And he ends up going out onto an island. I was sitting on that pinch point off that island. He went in there, and I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour later, he come back by me. I was like, I'm going to shoot him this time if he comes back by me. So here he comes back by me, and when he walks out of the open, he turns straight away, and he gets on out of ways. And by the time he turned broadside, he was at the edge of my range that I felt comfortable with. 
and you really couldn't see it on camera good. So then I was like, eh, I ended up letting them go because I didn't want to shoot that smaller deer. And I, you know, I wanted to hunt the rest of the day. I had all these, you know, ambitions to see other deer and not even realize you could shoot more than one deer a day because <laughs> I could have easily shot that deer, got it out and been on to the next spot easily by lunch but uh yeah i was just so used to uh, hunting in alabama and shoot a you shoot a buck a day and that's all you get and in florida that's not the case (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sitting on this little pinch that brett and i scouted in fact we did a video on and i got this beautiful trail in front of me this little crossing to my right and I'm slap covered up in does. And I'm just shaking like a leaf because it's right there at that pre-rut period of time. I busted a big deer on the on the field on the way in. And Brad's like, I just passed this deer. I just passed him again. And then he starts texting me and Craig. He's like, hey, how many deer can you shoot in the state of Florida in a day? And Craig sends a screenshot of the regs. <laughs> I think I remember it was like, well, damn, or well, well, you know, insert curse word. Curse word. Uh, I could have shot that deer and kept hunting. And like, yeah, she sure could have. And so he's on the polo group, just you know, belly aching to everybody about this deer. Uh, the polo group was giving me the most crap ever for letting a illegal deer walk in Florida. And they're like, <laughs> "That's a legal deer. I can tell by his beans. He's he's, he's legal." <laughs> That's what Cole said. <laughs> much less a six point. And uh, so they were giving me crap. And then when I realized I could have shot more than one buck that day, they were really giving it to me when they realized that I didn't even realize. (laughs) 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 So then I was mad at myself. You didn't read any of the regs for that, did you, Brett? (laughs) Well, I knew I knew what I could shoot, but I wouldn't I didn't realize how many I could shoot in a day it's just so imprinted in my brain hunting in alabama that you shoot one buck a day that's all you can shoot mm-hmm. you know you're not in kansas anymore bubba yep <laughs> any other lessons you learned in florida let, let me i'm sure there, there is if i can think of them. was was hunting in florida what you thought it would be you scouted you saw the sign was hunting was the the act of predicting the deer movement what you thought it was going to be yeah i think somewhat for the majority of it and but then there are certain times of the seasons a lot harder than than others like trying to figure out exactly what they transitioned into doing just because i hadn't been on that you know parts of florida and also like here at home i pretty much know certain times of the month deer are going to start shifting to high stem cover or they're going to start shifting back on the food late season or you know what i mean just exactly what they're doing at what time but for the most part for early season and towards I'd say towards the rut area, they somewhat did what I thought. How many, how, how, many days, how many days did you hunt in Florida? Oh, I could tell you it's on this phone right here, but I'm afraid <laughs> I might uh, knock myself off. 
Guess. I don't, uh, <laughs> 20. No. Maybe, maybe. 12. Maybe eight mornings and eight afternoons, something like that, maybe. Um, that's not including, though. It's not including zone C. So that would be. And then that's not including my dog hunting. So you include that 23, 24, like 25. Like two days of dog hunting and then about 23 to 24 different uh, sits between mornings and afternoons. Okay. So a, fair, so a fair amount, not a ton, but more than just a weekend or a week long oh, yeah. stay. Yeah. And then I, so I hunted in zone C, zone D, and then just, uh, this past hunt I did in Florida, I went dog hunting with Tutal which was my first time dog hunting as well. And I don't know what you would call that area, but it was zone D too, I think. T-tail. Probably a mix. Just (laughs) T-tail. I don't know what zone that's in. (laughs) D. (laughs) Zone A. A. B. It's a B. Did you ever lay eyes on a registry buck while oh, yeah, he did um i think i'm i laid eyes on one when i seen him my first impression was that deer's easily 90 inches but i, I felt like he was about 100 inches but for sure he was 90 inches he was easily as big as the buck that you kill um that buck that you killed last year with your bow i saw the video he's enormous Joker had a 20-inch inside spread. The brown tines on that thing were almost as tall as Parker McDonald. Hmm. <laughs> but, so he wasn't uh, in that deer, that deer that I seen, he was out of my range as well, but he was walking across the swamp chest deep in mud and water. Well, if I would have had some better equipment, he was easily in range. But with what I was hunting with, he wasn't in range for what I was doing. Actually, if that deer being in the water, I think it would have been illegal to have shot him. I think there's a law in the books in Florida that says you can't shoot deer in the water. Yeah, but when he got out of that water, he got on that little um, that, that little high island right here that mm-hmm. you come off of. He got up on that dry land and just stood there, and I sat there and watched him with binoculars. That's that deer I asked for you early season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one encounter with a good buck? Yeah, I'd say one. Okay. <laughs> Brent isn't having my foolishness this, this evening ago. I mean, that boy didn't even bite when I said that. He just, mm. I mean, that was that was like a, a mom being annoyed by a couple parents. <laughs> that kid, right like he was... He was not having it. Good Lord. I got to get more serious in this podcast. Oh, 
It's all business from Brett. <laughs> That'll be his daggum handle. Business. It's all business from Brett. <laughs> <laughs> well, while I was with these shenanigans, and I'm so used to, and I just, I'm, mm hmm. Just keep going. <laughs> Oh man! Well, Ch Chase, let's talk about you, man. I mean, you you chronicled on the last the last podcast that really cool story about redemption with the buck and your hunting areas that you're just kind of locked in on. Like you know these areas uh, because of cell cameras, you know exactly when and where to go. Like so, I'm always curious at the end of the year. I'm being partially facetious when I say this, but you're very systematic with like there are these windows in which I expect you to kill deer every year. And I'm always curious what you learned this deer season. Like what lessons did you come away with? Well, I mean, I did get on a buck early season this year, which isn't necessarily the norm, like a buck that, I mean, usually about, they're pannerable about a week before the season starts. You know, that's how it always seems to be. Mm -hmm. My area is like, oh, yeah, these bucks are pannerable. And then they kind of just disperse off to where you may not even see that same group of bucks during the season a lot of times. Like maybe a couple of them will stay around. But as far as the most part, they may said so just up and leave four or five days before the season starts. Whenever they're all kind of out of velvet uh testosterone's rising it did seem like they were the rutting activity started early as a whole this season which was kind of different uh for one of the areas i was in normally you don't see near as much rut activity uh in that october early october time frame uh, definitely like neck swollen Tarsals starting to turn black, uh, seeing chasing and stuff on camera. Like that's just normally you might see you might see it happen every now and then, maybe a buck or two or something. But they're generally not at that stage around that time. Usually, it'd be more towards late October when they're doing a lot of that activity. And this year, they were doing it more early October. Uh, which kind of uh, surprised me, but it's Florida. So it doesn't really surprise me that much. I've seen it change so much over the years to where I can't really like define a good like first rut per se here. And so that allowed me, I'm pretty sure to kind of, there was several doe groups in that area and the bucks were going back and forth between them doe groups like they were on cameras in between those doe groups i guess trying to get on those there had to be some hot does in that area with the amount of bucks and stuff that were uh in that area and i was able to uh, capitalize on that uh, early season as far as anything else in florida this year I'm, I'm just like I've been saying over the last probably several years is just being patient, like not necessarily needing to be in a hurry to kill a specific deer as much as I'm using whatever trail cameras, things like that. 
Um, it's, it's not something that I have to dive in there right away. Um, I don't like hunting, um, when there's a chance I could bust the deer out, things like that. So there were, there were days that I potentially could have hunted that I didn't hunt. Uh, I, it was a weird, it was a tricky season for me because I didn't hunt a lot. Definitely had long time spans where I didn't hunt, but I was still getting intel of what was going on. Uh, where where I was hunting at, uh, I didn't get to hunt as much public as I would have liked this year. Just different things happening, like uh, the hunt that you went on, which I probably wouldn't have been there very much. <laughs> but uh, I would have liked to have gone where I had picked out. Like I would have liked to have at least sat there in the morning, based on because it, it's a property property that you hunted it's it's similar to another piece of public that i hunt and that area just kind of it mirrored the piece of public that i hunt where i'm at in a lot of ways with the pines and the swamp and uh, everything like like short pines big pines things like that and uh, that area just looked juicy to me so i felt like potentially there could be something over there i see i see a turkey beard um, on camera but yeah i mean I, I don't know that i mean i went to alabama this year and i don't know that we ever talked about me going to alabama so we're gonna have an alabama episode so you can okay just, we're gonna yep. have an alabama episode yep. okay perfect i didn't go very long but i did go to i did go to alabama <laughs> <laughs> um and i i wish um i could have hunted alabama more but I also wish that the weather was a lot different in Alabama. Yeah, the weather up there was up there. Garbage. Yeah. Um, it wasn't great. Uh, I don't even think Brett saw a deer that weekend. So it was not the best <laughs> conditions uh, to be hunting. And I like to get up there and go scout some more on some of those pieces of property. Uh, I really, maybe, and maybe I can get up there with Brett in the off season, scout some of those areas. And uh, potentially put him on some bigger deer than what he's been getting. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even break a hundred inches this year in Alabama. The man's got his work cut out ahead of him. Oh yeah, he was close. What because, what because I didn't shoot one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. Alabama, but every like I said, every year there's learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. I like I said I was my knee, I messed my knee up. I had all kinds of other stuff going on this year. Yeah, I have a question, Chase. What's up? Uh, so, I guess for your private that you hunt, do you okay. typically see bucks or uh, witness bucks that uh, potentially lose their velvet sooner than the other bucks? And do you see anything with the sheds as in, do you see that the bucks who um, shed their veil at first uh, drop their horns first or any kind of differences <clears throat> like that? They definitely shed at different times. <laughs> I've had some shed middle of August and then some not shed till almost middle of September 
like right around opening day. Uh, seems like a lot of them shed more around the end of August, early September is when a majority of the deer uh, will shed their antlers. Uh, as far as finding sheds, I mean, I don't really find that many sheds. I do kind of monitor the cameras when the deer start losing their antlers. Uh, I notice most of the time that the younger deer start losing their antlers first. And the big deer, normally I kill them, so I don't get to witness them dropping their sheds. <laughs> well, the reason I ask, because you're talking about your rut, it's hard for you to define a uh, one single or the, the first rut. And one of the places I hunt is kind of like that. It's kind of hard. It has a, seems like a few different ruts and I've noticed some of the deer in the area will lose their velvet almost a whole month before the other deer lose their velvet. And I've also noticed some some of the deer drop their horns easily a month to a month and a half before. But what I've noticed in my area is that the mature bucks drop their horns first. It seems like usually when I find them early sheds are always from the big deer. Right. Well, and I, I, some of that has to do with, I think, how active they are during the rut, how worn down they are during the rut. Uh, I, I believe that that plays a factor in potentially why they, because it seems, because a lot of the small bucks, they kind of like get out of the gate, like, they're going hardcore for a little bit and then they kind of, kind of peter off. Um, as the season goes on, they get bachelor. It seems like they get bachelored up a lot sooner than, uh, the mature bucks starting to bachelor up and things like that. So from, but from trail camera data, I can tell you that the small, the smaller bucks lose their antlers first where I'm at. Now, maybe it's because, like you said, maybe it's because they came out of velvet first, but I also notice a lot of the smaller bucks stay in velvet longer than the bigger bucks do. Hmm. So I, I think it more has potential, maybe, and like I said, maybe it just has potential to do with like how worn down their body is uh, and yeah, everything I, else as to why they, always, they lose those antlers. I always wonder if some of the bigger deer didn't lose their antlers first. Uh, due to the stress, and also um, it seems that their horns are typically growing faster, and they start growing their horns. It seems like before, like just say you you see like a little five point or six point. Typically, you see a four year old deer. He's already got good beams and brow times. You know, starting a beam before a little six points, just like little tiny little nub starting you get what i'm saying it's like their horns start growing before the younger deer or at least right. in this area anyways yeah i mean i've never i've never seen a large buck or a large antlered buck lose, that's right that's because you killed them off lose their antlers <laughs> before the season's over that's because they can't lose them if they if they if they die in August. If, if they make it, and I still have them on camera, 
I've never seen them lose their antlers before the season. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen I've never seen them lose them before. Even the, season, even the ones that like even the like three year olds. You know what I mean? Maybe not like big giant deer or anything like that, but nice buck. You know, I I, I, I the only ones I've ever really seen show up with that had lost their antlers before the season or your younger deer on camera or on that. I mean, yeah, we're not I mean, the they, same they areas. Keep, they keep their antlers well after uh season goes out, but. Cause I had, before I killed that last buck, like I had noticed a couple of young bucks were already starting to drop their antlers. Dang. They weren't broken. They weren't broken either. Like you could definitely see that they had dropped the antler. And when I killed him, I mean, his, like I said, his antlers weren't loose or anything like they were about to come off. Like when I was pulling them or anything like that, like it wasn't like he was like, you see sometimes where they pick up the deer and go to dragging them and then antler starts popping off or anything Mm -hmm. like that uh, with that deer. But I try to follow them a while after the season just to kind of see. Um, what they're doing and sometimes i'll have deer just disappear during the season so i I, either they got shot or i just didn't get a chance to witness them losing their antlers early or anything like that and it's florida so you really can't follow a deer until they're like three and a half years old anyways like for me there's so many bucks that look identical Mm -hmm. like eight point young eight points everything else like there's a few that I can recognize because they got something special about them. But other than that, until they hit like that three and a half age range, I, I don't really start following them unless there's just something freaky about them real young. That I think that applies for all of the South. It's only it's only in Iowa that two-year-olds are 140 <laughs> inches. Yeah. Right. I mean, realistically, Georgia, everything I've seen in Alabama, everything I've seen in Florida – Three and younger, they're all equally tasty looking. And then after that, they just start looking chewier and chewier. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, uh, you know, I never get past the tasty the tasty aspect of things. But So, Mr. Brown is down. What have you learned? <laughs> Boy, it's worse than that. Listen, I have learned <laughs> four. <laughs> four you on those? Huh? I said he passed on some does. I'm pretty sure. I passed eight does in one sit. And I thought I was going to kill Brett. I really thought I was going to kill. I I have never. All right. <laughs> lesson lesson number one Florida taught me is that to grow, there is going to be pain. And I mean, true heartache. You are going to lose sleep over something. I have never been so self-loathing and miserable than I was when I passed those eight does that day. I I was vi- like I was I was ready to puke. I was so disgusted with myself. I felt like I betrayed myself. I thought I was gonna. I didn't sleep for two nights. I went to work grumpier and surlier than anything they've ever seen. Monday and Tuesday after that hunt, I thought I was going to punch Brett right in the throat, man. Because no one told me I was going to be that upset overpassing those does but they were at 15 yards it was perfect i could have had i had i stayed true to what i set out to do this year i would have shot the six deer that i told everybody i was going to shoot because i passed that that little buck three freaking times in georgia 
because Brent was sitting on this shoulder going, pass him, pass him, pass him. And Craig was over here just saying, hammer down. And Brent won that round again. And it was a little less, you know, disgusting. But I, that it was sucked, man. This year I passed the first legal deer ever that I've ever passed. I did that 14 times throughout the course of the season. Um, I passed my first ever legal buck, which my granddaddy would kill me if he was still around, just for that right there. Um, but on a comical note, I did realize that if you if you go after and you specifically target bucks that have been hit by cars in a past life and are missing three of their four feet and they can't move their neck, they're far easier to kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that buck that buck that that let me walk within six feet of him in the dark that morning set up and then let me continue to to cue beam him with my headlamp because i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't convince myself if it was alive or dead <laughs> i don't did i ever tell this story on the podcast i think i did we, we, i think we called yeah. it the cripple creek buck right and that what we yeah. did to dump that deer I I I can't I I keep watching that video that that I've edited for for that and I just I cannot believe that deer just sat there, um, but honestly the honest answer is I learned two different things one uh, if you go to places where pressure has been and you identify that pressure pushes a deer to this area this time of year but that pressure doesn't pick back up if you're not flexible and I've said this a hundred times on the podcast. If you're not flexible with your mindset and you get too rigid, you're going to end up hurting yourself because in late December, I was busting bucks right off the road. I'm talking right off the road. And I walked deep into the swamp where I thought they were ultimately going to go. And my cameras quit getting pictures of them, all of them in the, in the deep swamps. Um, I never saw any of them. And I continued to walk past deer to go find deer, which just feels like the epitome of stupid. Um, like I'm better than that as a deer hunter, but I, I, I had put in all this effort and I was overly invested in this game plan. And I didn't stop to think is the thing that made this viable last year, viable this year is the pattern consistent. And it wasn't. And so I called Brett the other day and I said, Hey man, do you remember in 2021 when we hunted this area and you went to this general area? That's where I saw that buck. Right. And he said, yeah. And I said, it dogged those does right there in that area. And he said, yeah, well, that's where that buck was again this year. And that's two years in a row, pressure and no pressure, that that deer has been right there in that thick area. And that final day that I hunted it, uh, midday, I blew the whole area up and I walked that whole thicket and I found the trails that wound through that area and I found a couple trees that I can climb. And uh, I, I got kicked in the teeth and I learned a lesson that I got to be more flexible. Um, and I think that flexibility actually helped me later in the year as I was bouncing around to different areas, I didn't get stuck to one thing, but um, if you find a pattern, that's great because it's kind of hard to find in Florida. But if you don't evaluate that pattern for its relevancy today, you're going to be in trouble. So I think the other, only other thing I'd say is that if you're going to change something about your setup and what you do, be prepared for some clunky, some clunky operations. Brett and I hunted four times this year as, as a dedicated cameraman. I think it was four times. 
And the first time, I swear to God, I thought he was going to just yank my soul from my body. He was so frustrated with how much noise we made and we weren't efficient and nothing went right because you're, you know, you're either over or unthinking things. Um, but I can tell you this much. Finding a deer hunting mentor that understands your property is another crazy important thing is finding somebody who knows how to hunt deer and listening to them and going out there and let them confirm what you know and what you don't know and point it out to you. Cause I learned a lot this year because of Brett being out there and it wasn't like, you know, that's what a rub looks like, right? It's not that kind of thing. It's more like you've gone to this area, you like this area. Here's why I also like this area. And he pointed things out that I just never saw before about, about different, different areas. So find yourself a deer hunting mentor that knows and can read the area you're in. Or just a hunting buddy. Or just a hunting buddy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being your all time best deer season in the state, uh, Brett, good luck. Cause this was your first year. One to 10. How was your, how was your hunting experience in Florida this year? I guess you could use yours as like, based on what you expect in the future? i just give it a solid five. I mean, <laughs> had two legal bucks in range that I decided to pass. Seen one big one and learned a lot, so. Chase? Hmm. Well, I had a really good year with the bow. I stayed, I stuck with a bow, uh, never hunted with a gun one time uh, this season. And there were, there was a time where I wanted to <laughs> uh, after uh, the buck, but I stuck with it um, and had a good season with a bow. I was thinking back and when you're talking about mm, passing deer, stuff like that. And there were two instances where I would have been able to put myself in the top 10 in the bow hunters, king of the tines, if I would have shot those deer. And that was one of my goals. But um, I was after this other particular buck. So I didn't shoot those deer um, at the time. But I was was within bow range quite a bit uh, of deer. Um, this season, uh, I think it like is it makes me think about it harder as opposed to just all right. I'm in this area with a gun. And I've got 200 yards this way, 200 yards this way, covering areas and stuff. Uh, I feel like you miss some of the um, subtleties that you look for when you're with a bow to really pinch uh, deer down and deer movement. And it's like okay, there's a big trail over here, big trail over here. Oh, maybe I'll catch one chasing a doe across this trail or or mm-hmm. something like that. So it was a really good uh, year with the bow. Um, won't say it was a 10 because um, I've had a better year before. So I'm going to put this year at, we'll say, a seven. Solid seven of a year. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go and say that mine is about an eight. Um, largely because I got to float out my first buck, which was fun. 
you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for a big adventure uh, and I could kind of care less what I pursue in that adventure. I just kind of like doing something a little bit different. Um, killing that six point was uh, a lot of fun getting back in that swamp and getting in there and that whole experience. Like that's one of those deer, like you're never going to forget it. Right. Like that story is going to be stuck with you. I'll forget that big eight point probably at some, well, I won't cause I got his antlers, but you know, I'll, I'll forget details about certain stuff. I'll never forget the fact that that deer was so crippled. It couldn't get away from me. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> smelt you. Huh? Lord knows he smelt you. Oh yeah, he did. He was downwind of me for 45 minutes. It was unreal. Um, that's why I thought that thing was dead and I was making up the fact it was moving. There was a moment when I drew back on that deer. I thought if I shoot a dead deer carcass right now, like <laughs> do I own it? Am I honest about the fact I did that? Or do I just act like it never happened? Right. Um <laughs> Because, because I was sitting 40, I mean, 45 minutes, the thing just was smelling me the whole time. And about every five minutes, I'd cut the QB and I'm on, get that stupid hat off your head. Southern ground hat on this podcast. Mm. Um, Man. But well, I, I'm going, I'm going to have a big hand in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with, uh, I say an eight, uh, killed my, killed a, a Florida buck with a bow. First Florida buck I've killed with a bow ever, actually. No. No, first one since 2016. Um, first public land buck in Florida with a bow uh, ever. Got to float him out, passed on nine does and one sit. Saw, saw the most amount of deer I've ever seen in the state of Florida while deer hunting. So I'm going with an eight, uh, but, you know, 10 is going to probably be pretty hard. You know, I'm kind of setting the bar kind of high there or maybe too high for myself. You might laugh, but it's done. It's in the books. We sit 44 days from turkey season. Well, I'm going to quote, what's one thing you're going to do this off season to make your experience better next year in Florida? That's a great question. I think, hmm. I think the, for starters, I've realigned my lifestyle such that I can spend more time in the outdoors. Um, I've, I've been very diligent in um, prioritizing my family life both in deer season, but also in the off season to where I'm not burning bridges and then preparing them in the off season. I'm, I'm being a little more diligent about my home life and that's going to give me a greater flexibility next deer season. Um, I think I want to hunt a little more simply. You know, I heard Brett talk earlier in this podcast. He goes, I just go where the wind's best for whatever the, those spots are. And I think a lot of times I was thinking about spots and saying like, well, I wonder if fill in the blank happens, can I get away with fill in the blank spot in this area, right? When in reality, that spot is good on that wind. Don't screw with it, right? And then when I had those negative feedback, those leading indicators that something was wrong, um, not getting any deer on, on camera, not seeing any bucks, there's a hot doe in the area, what's going on? There's does coming up and down this trail all the time. Uh, that told me you, I should have... Uh, tried to intercept those bucks somewhere else and then to bust them you know i busted at least three good bucks um maybe the same buck i can't tell um one of which on camera all in that corner you know i got too narrow in my scope you know you were talking about um when you're a bow hunter you kind of have to understand the macro and the micro you, you can't just 
be kind of reckless with where you go. And I kind of had that recklessness in that I was stuck focusing on one object. And I think I need to back off sometimes and just kind of at the end of every hunt say, did I, did I see anything today that changes how I hunt tomorrow? Um, and some areas just hunt easier than others. You know, you, you come out here to Tate's Hill and they're running dogs nonstop. You're probably going to have to get in the thicket with them to, to find them. But if you go to some of these areas that don't get quite as much pressure, you know, maybe you don't have to hunt as hard. So I think I hunted hard, hard, not smart this year. Yeah, so I typically don't even – I get asked the question all the time. Where are you hunting? Where are you hunting tomorrow? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I never know where I'm hunting, <laughs> usually until my head hits the pillow and I go to bed, I look. Or typically in the morning when I'm on the way. But that's why – you know, I, I try to scout so much that I have 15, 20 different spots and I look mm-hmm. at the wind accordingly. Then, so that narrows it down to four spots and look at the four. And, you know, it depends on what weather, what time of the year, what's going on, which one I'm going to hunt. But I typically don't have a clue where I'm going to hunt until right before I go to bed or the next morning because I always, how I hunt is I always go off of the wind. I let the wind decide where I hunt for the most part. Unless there's a particular spot, like an area that I really want to hunt, I may have a way I can get in it with a north wind and may have a way to get into it with a south wind, you know. And them are for, like, those narrow one- to two-week time zone that, no matter what the wind gives me, I'm either going to come in from this side or this side. Mm-hmm. But you still have to be very strategic when you're bow hunting because, you know, all it takes is for him to smell you once and the chances of you killing him is uh, very slim after that. Well, fellas, the off season, Brett? Do what? You going to do anything this off season for Florida? Yeah, I'm going to beat the bush a little more. To, um, I found one good spot, and I want to uh, further dissect it. And I found another. Just keep going. Just keep going. I found another really good deer, <laughs> and I don't really know what he's doing, but uh, – I'm gonna to try to figure him figure it out. He's a really old mature deer that's staying in some super hard to hunt. But uh I'm gonna see what I can't figure out. I don't know. It's a challenge. I like it. Okay. Might have to make a shirt after you breath. I mean, to me it's the whole process. I like the process almost more than the killing. Beat, beat trying to figure one out and then actually get them the whole nine about the journey not the destination yeah mm-hmm. i guess that's why i find it so hard to shoot like smaller deer i just i don't know i just don't have the whatever to, to shoot them like i'm like i told myself going in that day 
if a legal deer comes, I'm going to shoot it. Legal deer comes at 20 yards on camera, I can't shoot them. Tell me how messed up that is. Pretty messed up. Everybody I mean, listening to this is saying the same thing out loud. That's pretty messed up, Brett. I told myself I was going to shoot the first legal deer I seen, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. It's not hard. I'll show you how next year. <laughs> I showed you several times this year. I did. I'm just going away for my first deer just to be, just go ahead and get the whopper out of the way. Yeah. What about you, Chase? What are you going to do differently this year or in the off season? Like your same question to you, however you phrase it, I can't remember. Yeah, well, I am going to, I'm definitely, I'm going to put some more times in some other areas uh, and I'm going to probably do it uh, in the off season a little bit little bit kind of late summertime for sure is I'm looking for particular bucks at this point in my hunting journey. So my goal is to get potentially because I, I know where to find them on the areas that I'm hunting for, for the most part. Um, so now it's more of a goal of, all right, can I go find big deer in some of these other areas and make it happen is is a goal of mine so now i'm going to have to put some scouting in some of these areas and see if they're boom or bust type thing like are they worth it or are they not worth it and that that's one of my goals in the off season is to find some new areas to hunt we're going to do all that after turkey season Mm. <laughs> that was a yeah. shout out mainly for for graybeard because graybeard every year i slowly erode his desire to early season scout or postseason scout and he does a little more turkey hunting every year and i keep telling him i said you can scout after, tur- after after turkey season so we'll make a turkey hunter out of him yet yeah, in fact kind of excited i think uh i, I my gut says that we're going to pair some of these inexperienced or new turkey hunters with people who know what they're doing, or at least looks look like they do, and some some turkeys are going to get killed. And I'm curious to see how that impacts them because I, I imagine that's going to be pretty positive. But I am tired. I've got an early start, so I think it's time to conclude this. I want to apologize to everybody for the audio. I know this isn't the standard that you're used to. This is normally what it sounds like when Brett's on here, but not the three of us. You know, normally you have the smooth, sultry tones of Chase, the whiny you know, kind of asthmatic laughter of Walter and then the wisdom of Brett. But, you know, here it is. We're doing it for you no matter what. (laughs) Well, guys, do us a favor. Leave us a like. Leave us a review. Tell somebody about the podcast. But most importantly, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.